Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Thoughtful Banter Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy. In today's episode, we had the honor and pleasure of having the guest on Latifa Barnett. Latifa Barnett has always been inspired towards two endeavors, pursuing reliable Islamic guidance and empowering families to nurture their human potential through lifelong learning, spiritual development, and personal growth. In an effort to promote her love for teaching and learning, Latifa has organized and engaged with several community organizations over the last two decades. In 2014, Latifa co-founded the Junior Alliance for Worship Action and Development, Jawad, an organization established as a safe space for Muslim youth to engage in activities that promote spiritual growth and community activism. Five years earlier, she began the Sister Support Group to create a forum for Muslim women to nurture social bonds and encourage each other towards personal and spiritual growth. In addition to these organizations, Latifa has been a dedicated supporter of multiple religious educational efforts for the benefit of families in the Shia Muslim community, including recently Stanford Justice DMV. Latifa earned a bachelor's degree in mathematics and a master's degree in education. She is currently a mathematics professor at Montgomery College. Her professional teaching career has spanned over 30 years. During this time, she has worked in both public and private schools and colleges. Latifa is a passionate proponent of home education. She has spent the last 18 years teaching her six children. In addition to her own children, Latifa has supported more than 10 families through her homeschooling journey, five of those students currently thriving in college. In this episode, we discuss Sis Latifa's perspectives on education, how to foster uh, the love for religion and the household. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We go through many, many deep questions. Uh, make sure to support her by following her Instagram and getting in contact with her if you require coaching services. So I'm going to try and do this off the dome. But we got Ali, Jordan, Muhammad, Ali again, Asad. Latifa, aha, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> dead man. Ali, isn't it two Ali's? Yeah, I said Ali twice. Muhammad. I said Muhammad. And um, uh, T Jam, uh, aha, uh-huh. and Justin. And there we go. T Jam and Justin. If I didn't say Justin, whatever. I'm sorry. We're, we'll probably like cut that out and put an actual one in in some post or something. But anyways, we're back. Well, let me let me. I have, I have to make it something. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, we only got two mics today, so Sandra and I are going to be struggle sharing this mic. If you're listening to this podcast right now, though, on anything, especially if it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, before we go any further, rate that jump because it actually boosts a podcast. I learned recently that the uh, the biggest platform used for podcasting is Apple Podcasts, and rates go a long way. So you know, give that jump five stars. Um, inshallah, there you go. Aha. Uh-huh. So. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Sis Latifa. Uh, Salamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be adjustment, but we're gonna we're gonna be killing it. Um, you know, like we we've wanted you on the podcast for many reasons. A lot of people already know who you are. They know your background. Um, they know you've been in the education business for more than fifteen years. Uh, not just educating aging me. <laughs> not just educating other people's children, but also homeschooling all of your own children mashallah who are all flourishing um we wanted to know 
like you you have a very unique point on education i think you have like a, a very unique perspective um and we kind of wanted to know what is that like that biggest thing and that's probably a general point like well what is that thing that you think we're getting wrong about education especially in the muslim community hmm. that's a good one i uh-huh. have a lot to say on that um i think the biggest thing muslims are missing is holistic education i think not just muslims most people when they think of education they think of academics they think of facts they think of information they think of potential earnings and higher education and they completely miss the other areas of child student development which include um, physical development uh, social emotional and spiritual development and so all of these things in our islamic tradition and tarbiya are are attended to and so as muslims we can't just hyper focus on this cognitive development without it's irresponsible of us to focus on the cognitive development without focusing on those other areas as well can i ask what before we even go any further you said tarbiya right what what is tarbiya for those who don't know who are listening right now um could we get a mufid answer yeah <laughs> <laughs> um as far as I understand, it's basically like upbringing, child rearing, um, tarbiya. Yeah. Yes. I kind of translated it in the beginning when I when I said it right after I said it. Yeah. Yes, tarbiya is the the up upbringing and development of not just children but also your own soul. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's an ongoing process as Muslims throughout our entire lives. When you say like we're focusing too much into on the intellectual side of education, can you give an example of like what that actually looks like in terms like like what are we what because people probably agree, you know, people people hear that and they're like, oh, subhanAllah, they, they agree, but they're probably doing all of those things that they don't understand that that's what you're critiquing. So can you give an example of what you mean by that in the real world that you see? Yes. So, for instance, in schools like from the perspective of a person um, opening an Islamic school, basically we carbon copy everything that's happening in in non-Muslim schools and then add an Islamic studies and Quran class, right? Mm. And so non-Muslim schools are focused on secular education and in fact they exclude God from all other parts, all the parts of learning. And so when we as as Muslims open schools and we just kind of copy that model then what we're doing is actually accidentally copying the exclusion of God from math, science, social studies, and language arts, and then we just add a little bit of God in one part of the day. Mm-hmm. Another example is as parents, right? We have a child who is maybe gifted in a specific area, maybe academically gifted in math. This, is, this child is a math genius. And so you put him in math and you and he's doing all this stuff in math and he's like he's in calculus and he's only 10 years old. And (laughs) then he's like terribly behaved. He has no manners. He's like can't catch a ball. And like all these other parts of his life where he's completely Deficient. deficient and we are just like, but he's a genius. (laughs) he's going to go to Harvard, MIT. Mm -hmm. And we just completely miss all the other areas of development that where people, where the children can grow. And what is counterintuitive, that is what's best for your child, is actually to feed their weaknesses and not their strength. Right? If your child is strong in math, they're not going to lose their strength in math if you focus on something else. 
But if your child is strong in math and you don't focus on the other things, they will lose on the other things. So um, that's a big example. We're like uh, always a super bro, super bro podcast. And so whenever Matthew especially likes to, whenever he hears something um, and he can make an analogy in weightlifting, He'll make that analogy. So I'll be Matthew in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be Matthew in this scenario. It's exactly like when you're in the gym. If you have a body part that you are naturally, like, genetically gifted in, it does not make sense for you to m- build this super imbalanced physique because you're putting all of your energy and effort into building this one body part while your o- the other ones that you don't have that genetic gift in are just lagging behind and lagging behind. And what happens when you don't use a muscle is it atrophies. And I assume that it's the same thing that happens with these kids who are super hyper, like basically specialized at a super young age because they're su- they have this super they're super smart and they have this one specific talent in one area and then all the other aspects of being a complete human being literally atrophy <laughs> and yeah. so like you said they're like super poorly behave they can't catch a ball <laughs> they run out of breath in like five minutes less than five minutes of running you know right um i had to say less than five minutes because i'd be running out of breath in five minutes but anyways, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you're funny no that's and that's um you're funny that was all that was completely what i was thinking you you really are my brother um it's it's funny too because like i think about like myself growing up understanding like areas in my life that i can i guess connect that to and also just you know just looking at children and looking at like our very simple hadith that like the whole loma accepts like prophet muhammad saying every muslim for example should know you know how to ride a horse do archery do swimming you know like all these different skill sets are basically referring to be a well-rounded person who can basically do what they have to do you know like yes it's important to be smart it's important to be intellectual but we also have also have a hadith that you know if you're maybe so overweight to the extent that like i i i'm not going to quote a specific hadith because i don't remember which one it is but like there's one hadith for example a companion speaking to imam ali i i believe imam ali's like he's asking what do what do your believers like what do your companions really look like and Imam Ali didn't want to tell him, but when the man forced a question out of him, he was like, basically their neck doesn't have like a certain amount of fat. You know, that's like basically explaining a very, very high body fat percentage, you know. But I want to ask, like, as Muslims, why do you think we've fell into this problem? Do you think this is like a Muslim specific problem we have with our education or like what do you think the root cause is for us to have this approach where we have basically seemed to cut out parts of our education that are important and solely focus on things like you know mathematics or just looking at kids sat score to make sure they go into like a, a, a renowned university well that's a tough question it's complex different people come from different places but i think in general because we are in a society um that focuses on material gain um and focuses on secularism and and taking God out of things and focuses on an individual's um, passions, all of these things get kind of mixed up and adopted in our own thought patterns. And we don't take, uh, specifically take time to decide what we want for ourselves, what we want for our children and the path we're going to chart. And so what ends up happening is that we, by osmosis, adopt other people's values. Right. Because Islamically, uh, sciences, math, none of that was ever separated from God. It was always God centric. Right. It was not anything you you didn't do anything. You didn't pursue anything that 
did not involve God in, in its purpose. Where in this country, if you if you start from day one in school, there's no God. And, and, and not only is there no God, God has been purposefully removed mm. and legislated to be removed. And so if that is what you've adopted as your norm, then it it doesn't unless you sit down and specifically say, what do I want educationally for myself? What do I want educationally for my children? Then you're just going to adopt that norm because that's all you've known. I do have a question about God, because I feel like, um, yes, God has been removed from the educational system here. That's we can get into the reasons behind that. But one of the reasons I can think of that might not be so conspiratorial um, is that everyone kind of has their different version of God and what God thinks is ideal out of them. I guess my question is, it doesn't it make sense given that, given that diversity of like God and what God wants from us and how we apply that to education, doesn't it make sense to just remove that from the education system and leave that to the specific families like outside of outside of class and i guess maybe this is the failing of the muslims community is that we actually haven't taken educating our children outside of their public school or instead of public school seriously um but like that's a i feel like that's a legitimate concern so if i'm understanding you correctly you're saying that Public school. It makes sense that public schools have removed God because different people from different walks of life come in with their different conceptions of God. I'm, I'm, you can make an argument for it. I'm not necessarily it makes sense. No, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, I get that. Um, I I do believe that from uh, like for example, like for example, I wouldn't want my child learning some like learning a Hindu conception of like what God or their God wants from my student and having that like those values inculcate in their education. I wouldn't want that either. <laughs> so here's the thing. We, it's not that in the public school system and in, in the American value system, it's not that we're just not going to talk about God because we don't want to introduce other people's God. Mm. You know, it is the conscientious removal of God and the existence of God from so it's not it's not benign. It's not a neutral thing like, oh, we're not going to talk about God here. Mm. It is more of a denial of God. Uh-huh. And and that that is a problem. It, it It is problematic to go to a public school and you have people from different backgrounds and then teach about God. I personally believe that Muslims should not be in public school. Mm. I don't think that public school serves us. And I don't think that the things that it has to offer um, outweigh that cost. Yeah. The benefits do not outweigh the cost. And a lot of times can they can be found elsewhere i would like to ask a follow-up question to that um some people don't not every person has the capacity to do what you do um and so for those people if they i mean in this area is a little bit different because there are there are like legitimate good alternatives but there are some areas like there's a places people live that <laughs> there isn't an al-hadi you know and they don't have an al-hadi option so if they don't have an al-hadi option and then they're not equipped with the skills that someone like you has what other paths should they seek one of the one of the big problems in the muslim community is just this is not prioritized this is not seen as a problem this is not seen as an issue and so people say public school is great i'll just send my kid to 
Islamic school on Sunday or Saturday for a couple hours and that'll do it. And there, there was a time when that system worked where the family structure and the community structure was strong enough to, to hold the kids in on Sundays and with the majadas and waladat and you know, we, we got we got enough exposure and, and it helped our kids have one place where they felt belonging and were able to thrive. But I think at this point where we are today, that is not sufficient. Um, and so what I say to the people who are in what we say Islamically underserved communities. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you got to band together. You got to band together. You got to find two other families. It only, you only, I mean, when we started, it was two other families that are willing to go in it, go in with you mm-hmm. and you, you, you hook arms together and you just, you know, you figure it out. You I, figure it out. I guess my question is cause that, I mean, you make a good point. Even though we have Al-Hadi here, Al-Hadi didn't spring out of nothing or like MCS didn't spring out of nothing. There were like a com- decision from a couple families and it grew into something bigger. That's how all like great things start. I guess my question is like how do you overcome that because um, it seems a little bit like there's a, a little bit of a collective action problem with this it's like well i don't want to be the only one who's slaving away putting these hours into like trying to give my kids this proper education and potentially taking time away from my job which takes time away from the money we get which takes time away from how comfortably i can care for my family stuff like that um so i don't want to do that and since nobody else is doing it, I would just put my kids in public school. And so it kind of seems like a collective action problem on that front. How do you overcome that? Um, I assume you've been on the, the ground floor of a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you can give some pretty good insight into that. I think we have to do a culture shift, right? And culture shift takes a really long time. And sometimes you got to be the ones who's, who's biting the bullet. You got to bite the bullet. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be the one <laughs> who's going to take it for the team and you just got to, you're going to do the hard work because when we started out, you know, however many years ago, homeschooling and with our little group, people looked at us like we were crazy and they were like, put your kids in school. What are you doing? Right. But now today people are like, oh my God, how did you get your kids to pray? You know, like, <laughs> how did you get your kids to stay Muslim? You know, um, so Sometimes you got to be a trailblazer uh, around cultural, cultural change takes decades. It doesn't take, you know, it's not going to happen in your lifetime, maybe, you know, but you have to be willing to say for, for the love of Allah, for my children's development and for my community, inshallah, I would, I'm going to set this example and it's not easy. So it takes you prioritizing. I'm going to prioritize these things and I might not live comfortably. I might have four children in one bedroom, you know, (laughs) sometimes it be like that. Uh Um, So I think people, if, if you, and this, this goes into kind of my whole holistic philosophy. If you decide that you are, you have a purpose and you're doing something for the pleasure of Allah to the best of your ability, sometimes you got to take licks for it. It's not going to be easy. And I think the, only advice I could give is don't expect it to be easy. About the public school thing, I want to maybe push back on that. I mean, I've been homeschooled and I don't regret being homeschooled. I think, um, you know, it's made me into the person who I am today. But 
a lot of homeschoolers be acting crazy. Like I think there is like a stereotype of the super socially awkward, really out of touch homeschooler. And, you know, a lot of times I guess people homeschool for the wrong reasons. Like some people don't, I think a lot of people are homeschooling because they're putting God first. They're homeschooling because they just want to have like complete control over, you know, their children and, they're just like a little wacky, a little, little Waco business. I don't know. You know, like I, you, you see that, you see that like in like some, like in some homeschooling uh, places. Right. Um, and some of our, like, I guess more religious friends actually like went, went to public school, you know? So it's like, I feel like just to play devil's advocate, you know, do you think it's, do you think that everyone needs to not be, in public school you know like i could argue like like what's what is so bad about public school for muslim kids i i would argue that public school is not ideal for any children and the 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 same where we started for the same reason is that it's not holistic um public school does not um attend to the whole child um the policies that drive it um, the the people, who, the certifications that you need to get it, it does not nurture the whole child um, in any, it doesn't teach critical thinking. It used to teach critical thinking more, um, but the way policies are written, teaching to the test, and um, all of the things that have developed over the last 20 years, public schools are not meeting the needs holistically of any child. Muslims in particular, I have to quote um, Brother Malcolm, and um, when someone has values that are antithetical to yours, um, they are philosophically enemies, right? If they want, if they want your way of life or your way of thinking to die, they're they're philosophically your enemies. And our brother Malcolm said, "Only a fool sends their child to be educated by their enemy." Um. Not to mention just like the fact that public schools are funded through uh, property taxes. And so if you live in a poor area, there are plenty of people and plenty of Muslim people that don't live in super rich counties like Montgomery County, for example. Right. So if you're if you're living in a super poor area, your public school is likely going to be underfunded, which means even if it was the most top tier public school, you would be getting this un holistic or incomplete education imagine what that looks like when you don't even have the resources to serve your population basically um that's just another like like i guess the socioeconomic dimension that a lot of people here like in the county that we live in aren't even thinking about because they're blessed to live in a county like montgomery county that's so rich we're like the in the top 10 richest counties in america in montgomery county this year um policy has been passed that forces teachers in their classroom to have um, LGBT um, affirming books displayed on their shelf in every classroom. They must be displayed, like not like in the bookshelf, like binder, binding out, but like actually out and open so that people can read the title as they go by. This is this is now mandatory in Montgomery County classrooms. I mean, I'm just saying like for all the benefits of being in a rich county, you also get yeah, and also like we're in DCU. This is where all the, this is where the liberalism first takes first takes place. You know, um, let's not talk about liberalism. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, we definitely get canceled. So like, move, but moving forward, I guess, and, and I I agree with your point, but I just want to flesh out really make people understand like why homeschooling is the move. Um, moving back more to like the Muslim parents. You want? Yeah, yeah. I'm not homeschooling is not necessarily everybody's move. Mm-hmm. Like everybody can ne- not necessarily do homeschooling, mm-hmm. but community schooling. Um, if you look at before before public schooling happened, right? Um, people who were able to educate, uh, educated in very in like one room classroom, one mo- room multi age classrooms, and they were educated by people from within their community and very in a very natural ground grassroots kind of way. And that can be that can be replicated. That doesn't take a lot of resources. It doesn't take a lot of uh, experience. It just takes people being dedicated to doing it. And um, again, cultural change. Not everyone can homeschool. And when we make Muslim schools, they don't have to be like we in high school. They can be a one room school and as long as they're doing the job. And so I think that maybe freeing ourselves from the idea that we have to completely mimic what's going on in other education areas, other educational institutions, and that we just need to do something that works for us, it might free us from the anxiety that we carry around how we educate our children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's an important point because again, like ultimately, even let, let's say for sure, homeschooling is the ideal. There are people who just can't do the ideal, you know, but I think you're making an important point because it's like, if you can't do the ideal, at least supplement, you know, with extra education in your community. I want to ask like, in terms of like, Muslim parents today. I know you have a lot of opinions about this. I know your Instagram, you got a lot of reels with a lot of views talking about the things you're like, you're seeing lacking in Muslim parents. Um, what are like, like, and I know you've seen a lot, like, can you just talk a little bit about like some of the most common, I guess some of the most common issues you're seeing in parenting right now in our communities that, you, that are just like right in front of you that, you feel like a lot of people just aren't noticing or not giving attention to screens. Okay. Screens. Um, please keep your children away from screens. I know that sometimes it seems like the easiest thing and it. You know, you can find something that is educational and um, just, just, I'm going to just say a couple of things. Number one, the people who've developed all of these apps and these social medias and all of these things that are being used um, generally don't let their children use screens. Um, enough reach, there has not been enough research done on the impact and the effect of the dopamine reward cycle that children are getting from screens on the development of their brains. And quite frankly, the real research won't be out for another 10 to 20 years Mm. so basically your kids are guinea pigs (laughs) yeah (laughs) you don't you don't know how how these things are impacting their brains uh what research does show is that the the mood um the the mood the anxiety the interactions um of screen um High screen use children mimic addiction. Mm. That's what research shows. And um, if you are, 
in your household and you have children as young as as three playing games that have the the rewards and that light up when they do the right thing um, you can notice you will notice behavior and mood changes when you take that away from them and that should be uh, a red flag um, so I think I think one of the things that we we are really 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 having a hard time with is screen addiction both as adults and and our children and we we as a community need to kind of shift away from from screen usage and and set much more stringent rules for ourselves and our family so that we're not um sucked into the vortex of screen addiction it feels like this i mean i definitely have a screen addiction you know um for sure and i feel like what's what's interesting in terms of like when i hear parents talk about problems i want to know your thoughts on this like it it seems like kids in my my mind kids do what their parents do so it seems like when parents are talking about issues that their kid has it seems like the logical place to look at is well yourself because most likely this is learned behavior you know so if your kid is on if you're complaining about your kids being on screens seems like that's because you're on screens and you're giving them screens like you're you're their parent right like how can how, how can they have access to screens without you knowing right like would you like what are your thoughts on that don't give screens to your kids <laughs> so, i mean how like how old are we talking like do you think just um for a personal device like yeah. a handheld a cell phone um the the research says 13 i would say 15 mm-hmm. 16 um for the, the american academy of pediatrics has some recommendations um for zero to two they say no screens except like facetime with relatives um and then from from two to five something like an hour a day i think i mean you can i can we can put the link in the in the description comments whatever um but i think that's i would say 10 before before you allow um your child access to a device i would say 10 years old um i i always give this analogy when you give your child access to the internet it is like dropping them off in the middle of times square and leaving them (laughs) alone because they have access to everything they have access to everything um even things you can't even imagine they have access to and it's really it's really difficult you know they they don't even have to look for it sometimes it just pops up <laughs> and it's really an unfair position to put a a person whose brain isn't fully developed who may not even know right from wrong who sometimes can't tell you know depending on how old they are reality from fantasy it's a really unfair place to put them um and we think that um we can put them in front of screens and leave them alone and go do something else and if you haven't previewed what your child is watching (laughs) even in the most innocuous innocuous places you will be surprised what they get so I would, I would really say for a child, um, like my daughter, she, if I can help it, gets 
maybe 45 minutes to an hour per week in front of and that's in front of the tv right some you know we look at pictures of our family together on the, on the phone and videos of our family but in general that's a week <laughs> that's that's what i'm talking about like that's about my screen time that's like a third of my screen time a day <laughs> 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 at least every day generous but we do really have to work on ourselves you know yeah. i highly recommend um resources for parents i would say uh wait until eighth is a good resource um it's a website that talks about kind of forming packs with your social group to you and and at least this group of people their children and you will not get devices until they're at least in eighth grade um there is for adults there's digital minim digital minimalism by cal newport is a good book um but we really have to get a rein on ourselves some good practices will be like um, have a, a device mar a device parking space that's in a mm. common area. So when you come in the house, you just park it. It charges there. You never take it to your room. You never take it to the table. Have very, very um, important um, strict rules on what when it can be used. Not at the masjid, you know, things like that. I, I can recommend a, a video. Um, my colleague Sabra Hussain recently did a workshop on uh, managing screen use. <laughs> and my colleague, Sayed Sean um, Rizvi, also did part one and talks, talks about the spiritual impact of screens and also how to regulate good best practices for regulating screens. And so we can probably hook that up in, in the comments as well. Yeah, I do have a question because, um, and you specifically talked about making like pact with either like cohort or like a group of parents so that I guess the kids in that the other children and maybe your child's immediate vicinity also aren't dealing with are also aren't having screens and having phones and being on them all the time after hours, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, for people that can't do that, there becomes sometimes it becomes an issue where like, you know, as kids get older, obviously they're trying to exercise their autonomy more. And if you're 16, 17 years old, and all your friends have phones and they're on them at all times of the day and they're always like arranging plans through their phones and stuff like that not even necessarily malicious stuff but like they're doing they're arranging hangouts and stuff like that and you kind of want to be a part of that you're just getting your driver's license around that age <laughs> you want to be able to drive and hang out with your friends i guess how do you balance that like desire for autonomy with this control and discipline on their screen usage and their basically the amount of dopamine they like expose themselves to right so as for older children when you give the device there should be a very explicit contract on its use and it should be reviewed all the time parents should have all passwords to everything and access them regularly to see what their kids are doing and then teach their teach your children to have boundaries with their phone mm -hmm. say if you want to make plans with me you have to make them between this time and this time when i have access to my phone Right. They have to be able to advocate for themselves and you have to give uh -huh. them the skills to advocate for themselves. It is like as a professional. Right. You have hours where you take calls and you have hours where you do not. Yeah. And it's very it's very clear. And it's a very easy thing. Contact me during the hours I take calls. <laughs> and if you do not, you will not get me. Uh -huh. And we have to be able to empower our children to do the same thing because it's not that difficult. But again, like it really 
depends on your priorities. Mm-hmm. And if you have made th- certain things a priorities a priority in your life and have explained that to your children and have brought them into your value system, then by the time they're 16 or 17, they can reason and they can't understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a rebellion. It shouldn't, they shouldn't be in rebellion with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? They should be on, if you've done your job well, they should be on board with the, with it. And they, and they should be kind of happy that they're not screen addicted and they, they should be able to observe the consequences of others being screen addictive. Me like, thank you for saving me from that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess there's to this, Matthew, Matthew wants to move on, but I have one more question. Um, what do you say to the parent? And this can, this goes for homeschooling. This goes for screens. This goes for a lot of different, this goes for a lot of rules. Um, what do you say to the person who says, well, they're going to be underexposed to the real world because of all the, like, because of how structured you've made their world. And that's going to make them worse off when they actually get into the real world. Um, what do you say to that person in regards to this, in regards to homeschooling, anything? I say that they're mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, the the things that help your children navigate the, the quote unquote outside world is competence, mm-hmm. um, halal autonomy, mm-hmm. and belonging. Not exposure. Exposure probably at too early of an age is a is a counter. It makes them less likely to be able to navigate the world because the anxiety that it induces makes them develop poor coping strategies. Mm-hmm. And this is based off uh, research, I'm this assuming. Is ba- this is based off research, mm-hmm. right? So if you want your child to be able to navigate the world, they need to enter it feeling competent in, in, their, in their skills holistically. Mm-hmm. So not just their academic skills, but they need to feel confident, competent in their religious like they need to be religiously educated. Mm-hmm. If your child feels just as much of an outsider at the masjid as they do at their school, they're not going to be able to cope, <laughs> right? If they walk into the masjid and everyone is saying ziyara and everyone is reciting this dua and they don't know it, you've made them an alien in the place where they're supposed to belong. You have to make sure that they are religiously competent, that they don't feel like an idiot when they walk into the masjid Mm -hmm. you have to make sure they're they're competent in how to behave and manners academically physically all of those things you have to make sure they're competent and if they have weaknesses and and those weaknesses cannot be overcome you have to tell them you know what you have a weakness in this so when you enter a space you have to tell people this is my weakness so if you see that happening please help me Mm -hmm. right so you have to teach them to advocate for themselves that competence is way more important than exposure. And in fact, if you expose them before they gain that competence, they're less likely to know how to navigate that space. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that same competence is what helps them find a sense of belonging. If they don't belong in any space, then they cannot, they cannot withstand societal pressures mm-hmm. because all they want to do is fit in. <laughs> they're going to be a goofy long story short. <laughs> Spanallah, you were spitting. I mean, I want to. I want to like just go back to that point because that's something we hear so often. Um, Hussein and I, we've had like you know, 
we'll, we'll meet we'll meet some new guys and we'll be talking and you know somehow which school you went to comes up and when we both tell them that we're homeschooled so, so many times we got the reaction like what but you know about like pop culture <laughs> wow like how do you like know about like i have the internet like you know what i'm saying but it's like <laughs> i'm not literally in my house all day i think that's also one thing that like people get wrong about homeschooling maybe maybe homeschooling maybe isn't the right word anymore i don't know i heard one sister online say she calls it uh, uh like self-education so some, just something different because like people I, maybe that's y- yeah you know like, <laughs> i'm happy i didn't say her name uh but no like people people have all these misconceptions and we hear that thing a lot like not said like that but unconsciously like but you're not seeing the real word real world and it's like i feel like myself Hussein and some of our friends who've been homeschooled actually like from what I've seen from us and like like know is that we've dealt with real world situations a lot better than a lot than a lot of other people who go to public school because because again like just that level of competency like a lot of people are thrown into these environments that are like very chaotic that don't have structure and like when we were kids we got like so much one-on-one time with our parents, people working with us on our weaknesses, you know, versus like there are times I remember acting out in class where if I was a public school, I just would have been thrown at the principal's office but no one talked to me. But instead, like I actually got like low key a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I got a therapy session like the teachers. I'm like, oh, my God. But like that was like I, I remember those moments and I like carry those with me today. Um, so people need to stop hating on homeschooling. Um, but no, the, you made amazing points. And. I want to keep talking about it, but I also have more questions for you. I wanted to know, because you have all this experience now in education, again, not just with your own kids, but like teaching so many people, um, te- teaching so many people's other children, and also teaching people how to teach their children. Um, I know you provide coaching services. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that? First, I have to say that um, what I'm beginning to realize is that for some reason, education coaching, parenting, coaching, um, in the Muslim community in particular, this may be in other communities as well, is just extremely undervalued. It's undervalued, it's underappreciated, and I think there's a notion that people deserve that advice for free. And perhaps they do. I don't know. I need to reflect on that. But I just want to put that out there because... uh, it's a lot. I get, I get that a lot. I get, I get that a lot. Um, so I do, I do do coaching. Um, I think that parenting is, is taken as, um, kind of like trial and error. Like the only way it can be done is trial and error. And there is, there is some legitimacy to that. Some of it is trial and error, but some of it requires and deserves a lot of thought and a lot of uh, reflection. And there used to be uh, structures within our community to help that happen through extended family, through exposure. Um, when, When families were more extended, young people watched Tardibia happen. And so when they, when it came to raising their children, they already had things that they were going to put in place because they had watched it in their families where 
today, for whatever reason, we're very, very, very disjointed from one another. In addition to that, um, our leadership is, there are very few American-born Muslim scholars that have children who are teenagers, right? It's a generation, generational gap. Right? Yeah. So there are people, we have scholars who raise children in other countries who can't, can't 100% address the needs that we have. And then we have people who are scholars who have little children who can't really address all the needs that we have. And then we have a handful, I can think of about four or five scholars who are born in America, educated Islamically in, in like legitimate places and have teenage children. So there's a, there's this group of parents who have really like not much guidance and not much access to, to kind of positive Islamic um, guidance on a lot of the things that we're facing today. Um, so that's why I started coaching. I mean, and I, I feel like I know what you're talking about because I think in general, like in our space and social media today, people take a lot of, I guess, advice kind of content for free because they see like people who with large platforms, they have a whole production team where the whole idea is to give people as much free advice as possible because then they're selling like a huge product. So overall, they're making a sale. Um, but pe people seem really opposed to coaching and it's really a shame. Because I feel like if you're a new parent or if you're a parent and you're struggling with your children, you're doing something wrong. You need help. You know, and like I'm not a parent, so I can't tell other people the parent. I'm sure it's so hard. I can't even understand. I don't mean to trigger all the parents out there. <laughs> right. Like I understand. I'm just young. I don't know anything. I get it. But I do see like in my face parents struggling like their kid is acting out of line, maybe consistently. And they haven't addressed the issue. And it's like if you have an issue with your kid and you can't solve it and I'm witnessing the same issue for like over a year, it looks like you need some outside help. You know, so I guess that's that's my way of saying, you know, guess I'm coaching from Cis Latifa because <laughs> people need help. It's like I think people in our own lives, we take issues like we think it's just normal to struggle with a certain issue for a certain amount of time. And maybe like str struggle is normal in life but let's say if i have a goal of getting something done and i'm not reaching that goal and i've tried all the resources myself i've tried to educate myself i've tried to discipline myself and i'm not reaching that goal it's time to get some outside help that's why people hire personal trainers you've been trying to lose 20 pounds for three years you haven't lost 20 pounds it seems like you need to get a personal trainer bro and it doesn't mean you're a bad person it doesn't mean you're less it just means you need some professional help and People want to hold on to their money, but I'm like, the money itself, the goal is not to stack money in the bank account. The goal is to obtain something maybe with that wealth as well. So if you can use your money to maybe better your relationship with your own children and maybe overall use that to, in the long term, improve it with Allah, I can't think of a better way for you to use your money. You know, so just, sorry. Um, So I just have to say, Mahdi, again, with the... uh Gym reference. I, <laughs> I hope everyone caught that. <laughs> I, didn't I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Like it was unconscious. I swear. Um, and then I just want to say like two catchphrases. Um, in re in relation to the two points that you guys just made. One, money come, money go. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> you have no control over there. I mean, to a certain extent, you do. But like, there are a lot. I think a lot of the times we think that we have far more control over our lives than we actually do. 
everything down to the to the videos that we watch and the signals that we're uh like uh, that we encounter every day that's complete out of our control they still somehow impacts on a subconscious level impact your behavior so with that being said relax a little bit if you spend some money your money's going to come back to you like ultimately you have you have no you don't have complete power over how that works and so you can either invest and this is a second catchphrase you can either invest in the S&P 500 shout out Alex Hormozzi or you can invest in the SME 500 <laughs> subhanallah subhanallah bro no, but the SME 500 would be just like Matty said, you'd be investing that money so that you can live a better life and so that you can reach a specific goal. And exactly the same thing, like you said, with a personal trainer, if you are, if you have hit a plateau, if you had hit, have hit the limits of your knowledge and you are still struggling with an issue, you have to outsource. This is what any, like, this is like what any business does, right? Any business, any successful person, when they have reached the limits of their knowledge, they outsource. And most people are like, alhamdulillah, if someone does it for free, like that's great. <laughs> but people also need to live too. So it's this is a two-way street. I And I just want to say um, a lot of parents, a lot of especially, you know, prospective parents or new parents spend a lot of time like on the physical environment for their children and, you know, making sure that they're provided for um, financially and materially. And I can say from experience that poverty won't hurt your children, right? Not that I want anyone to be poor, but your time is better spent on being purposeful, um, having goals, reflecting on how you are going to be a leader and example for your children, reflecting on what type of believers you want to raise, and kind of putting together um, a family mission like how do you want your family to be um you you have a responsibility as a muslim parent to be an authority for your children and so you have to think through how you're going to be an authority and if if you spend more time on that and you maybe don't have the nursery set up that i, I you've made a good you've made a good decision like if you have to prioritize things prioritize that you don't want to raise your child in a pigsty, of course. You don't want to, you know, have, you know, their basic needs not being met. But you don't have to have the perfect home. You don't have to have the perfect neighborhood. You don't have to have the perfect anything, except maybe this plan has to be really well developed. And I think the the last last bit of wisdom, <laughs> if I can call it that, I would impart is expect to make mistakes parents we we make mistakes you will make mistakes and when you do you just gotta own up to them and and kind of readjust course and as your family gets older and bigger you can do it together subhanallah we, we actually have a Q&A section but before we go to that you have a point I, I have a point too um, we have a Q&A section we're coming up to but I, I want to say this because this Latifah is too humble to say herself you guys should book her for coaching and another point i had that i was just thinking about again like to what hussein and i were just saying um and relating to what you just said is people look at spirituality like they they don't value it the same way you know if i to many of these 
parents in our communities. If I said I'm a coach and I can get your kid to rate perfect score on the SAT, you know, I could be a millionaire just saying like the in the community, you know, serving like not that many people. Like people will pay me whatever they have. People will take out loans for me. But if I told them I'm a spiritual coach and I'll make sure your kids know their dean and make sure their kids know who their God is and make sure they're holistically applying Islam in all aspects of their lives, people want the Islamic knowledge for free, you know, and that there, there's a disconnect. And we even see like our scholars come up with that. You know, it's like people expect like a, sh- a sheikh not to get any funding, but it's like, unfortunately, in America, everything costs money. So if you want quality education for math, you pay for it. If you want quality spiritual education, you pay for it. You know, we have to like disassociate this thing where spirituality is, is free. Not to say you can't get you don't get close to a lot by yourself, but it's like if you want specialized coaching and attention, you pay for it. You know, so I just want us to disassociate this thing where it's like all these things are valuable. We pay for our spirituality is this free thing. We don't pay for it. It's like, no, what's valuable is what's valuable. You pay for value. And what's the best way to inculcate the love of religion within your children? Love your religion. Be a role model. Subhanallah. <laughs> she said that and it sounds very simple um, because it is pretty simple. Monkeys. Little kids are monkeys. Monkey, <laughs> monkey see, monkey do. That saying exists for a reason, right? <laughs> so if you're told one thing by your parents and then you never see them do that, they're not going to listen to you. And they're not going to love. They're not going to have any love for the religion that you claim to love. <laughs> your children know you so well. By the time they're like three, they know when you're lying. They know when you're fronting. When you say a BS. They know, they know you. And they learn that from you, right? So if you say love Allah, love Allah, and then you go on and doing something that don't seem like you loving Allah, your kids know it. They may not even be able to both verbalize it. They just know it on a heart level because they know you. And so really, like, seek your knowledge. Seek your spiritual connection to Allah. Seek centering and grounding. Islam has answers for everything 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 in our lives islam is the most um you know it 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 makes life so simple right uh if you have to reflect on questions like if i had three to six months to live what would i do islam makes that answer very easy right if you have to if you have to make a life choice on career, if you have to make a life choice on spouse, anything you have to make a life choice on, if you dig into your Islamic values and Islamic teaching, all the answers are there for you. So if you are a parent who's going to other sources, then your child is not going to love Islam because they're watching you go to other sources. You just got to love Islam yourself. Subhanallah, 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 subhanallah. also really little things just like on a practical level how does how does this look this looks like um adjusting your adjusting your schedule around salat Mm. right this looks like going to the masjid even if they have school the next day Mm. this looks like stopping you know your normal day's activities to celebrate the birth or the um 
a baby mom or my son mm. and 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 go into my jealous to to observe and commemorate their their deaths i mean really really you know take them out of school for three weeks and go make ziara mm. you know if you want to teach them to love allah prioritize the things allah loves you to do what's it anata and it's simple, right? I love the saying. It's it's not easy, but it's simple. It's 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 simple, but it's not easy. But it's like really like we and and we see it, right? Like we see it with with people around us, right? Like that kid that goes to the masjid, but their parent is like fronting at the masjid. The kid knows that, you know. Like the dad act maybe like a little mama dad act a little religious at the masjid, but when they come home, they never makes a lot. Like the kids looking like the your kids looking at you like. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Like I'm, like I'm confused. You know what I'm saying? It's it's really like a sad thing, and it's like we're the role models for our kids. Like there's so and not even about oh my god, I'm doing it about fitness again. You see it, but like there's like statistics like uh like a child I think with like two obese parents is eighty percent likely to be obese. And people are trying to say um, I was actually listening to this on Mind Pump. People were saying that oh it's genetics. And it's like no, it's not genetics. I mean it might be a little bit genetics. It's because of the behavior. The, the kids are witnessing two parents with the behavior that equals a result. And you can apply that to anything else. So I, I, and I remember watching like one clip you had on your Instagram. It's like that parents always want to focus on what I'm trying to do for the kid. But you're saying like, if you focus on you, the kid's going to learn from you. So like the Tarabia actually starts with yourself. So y'all need to schedule a session with Sister Latifa. <laughs> Go to Latifa Barnett Coaches. Double, double check this, y'all. Latifa Barnett Coaching. Click the link in her bio. The link to her bio takes you to a link tree. Click that link tree, y'all. The button says schedule a consultation. Check that, y'all. You schedule a jump, and you're going to get your life fixed. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, she they, can't solve all your problems. Maybe gassing, gassing me up. <laughs> but but like if 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 you're struggling with parenting in any way whatsoever, and you don't got the keys, admit you don't got the keys and get some coaching. Some of y'all out here are still trying to save the same problem for two years. Y'all need to get some coaching. <laughs> I'm keeping that joint in. Listen, <laughs> listen. You need help. Matthew, um, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Talk about the greatest commercial ever. Anyways, um, I'll say this last point. I think we'll wrap you, up. Yeah. yeah. Wrap up. Uh, so what Matthew said, just going off what Matthew said, simple, but it's not easy. To that point, something not being easy but being desi- but being a desired goal like something not being easy has never stopped someone from doing the work that they need to put in if it was actually a desired goal for them to achieve you know so even when it's hard it becomes it's hard at the beginning but once you start and once you start seeing the progress even then i think it becomes easy it's simple er. easy er yeah it's simple it's not easy you start it becomes easier you know, and this is just the the way things work. That that momentum. That's a great point. 
to relate to the gym. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a gym, like there is a gym and like direct link, direct analogy. I'm sorry. It's not just about the gym though. It's about everything, right? These people out here getting their masters, that's not easy, you know, but it's simple. I got to study this much time. I got to study this way. I got to cut out these social events and these parties to make this time and get this goal. You try to get your bread up. You spend this much time on your business. You cut out this much time on your family. All that you sacrifice. You want that jump. So if you want the jump, you won't get the jump. But you have to sacrifice and cut out for it. If you want these gains, what do you do? You eat your protein. Oh, I can't. I can't get in two hundred grams of protein. Yes, you will. You'll find a way. Get some weight, bro. Get some muscle milk. If you're trying to get close to your Lord, you do the same thing. You go have the sacrifice. That's it. For your kids too. For your kids too. Yeah. Anyways, prioritize. Thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed this wonderful podcast with Latifa Barnett Coaching, aka my mother. Um, <clears throat> now you know where I get it from. Aha. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching. Oh, Jose, with sprinkles in you, overflows in me. <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys were able to take something beneficial away from this episode. And we will see you next week. Peace.